Imagine a world where innovation knows no bounds. At BAE Systems Fast Labs, we're pioneering advanced technology and defense research, shaping the future of safety and security. Explore our website to uncover a realm of cutting-edge projects, collaborations, and visionary thinkers. Whether you're a tech enthusiast, a defender of freedom, or just curious, Fast Labs is where groundbreaking solutions are born. Join us and be part of the future today. Visit www.baesystems.com slash fastlabs. Welcome to From the Crow's Nest, a podcast on electromagnetic spectrum operations, or EMSO. I'm your host, Ken Miller, Director of Advocacy and Outreach for the Association of Old Crows. Thanks for listening. We are live here at AOC 2021, the 58th annual AOC International Symposium and Convention, and I have with me two guests uh, from the U.S. Space Force. Uh, before I introduce them, I'd like to thank our episode sponsor, SamTech. SamTech is an international supplier of RF signal integrity and flexible power connectors. They provide exceptional service, quality products, and convenient design tools. SamTech understands that taking care of their customers and their employees is paramount, which makes them a leader in the connector industry. All right, so. Uh, my guests right now are Brigadier General Sean Campbell. He is the Deputy Chief Human Capital Officer, U.S. Space Force, and Chief Master Sergeant Amber Mitchell, U.S. Space Force S-1 Senior Enlisted Leader. Uh, they are leading a session this afternoon on Space Force and uh, human capital and, and preparing the next generation of guardians for the Space Force, and I wanted to have them on the show to talk about uh, where they're at today and where they see uh, Space Force going in terms of equipping uh, and manning the Space Force for future generations. So, General Campbell, Chief Mitchell, thank you for joining me here on From the Crow's Nest at AOC 2021. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate being here. Uh, really excited to be here with the Association of Old Crows and talking about the Space Force and where we're going in the future and to talk about people. Excellent. Well, let, let, let's get started here. So uh, so I want to first talk about the, the natural alignment of our communities. Um, obviously, when we talk about electromagnetic spectrum, electromagnetic energy, uh, our two communities should, you know, we go hand in hand in, 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 in terms of how we plan and strategize and man, train, and equip. Uh, so the traditional EWMSO warfighter community and Space Force, um, why is it so important when we talk about having an advantage in all domain operations, which is the theme this week, why is it so important that we that the, this, the discussion basically begins and ends with how we fight in space and electromagnetic spectrum? Yeah, it's a great question, Ken, and I, I think we, for us, because we're in the human capital enterprise, our responsibility to, is to develop the guardians who are going to be operating in the EW environment. And, and when we think about where we were as a, as a space enterprise, even just a year and a half, two years ago, we thought about space as a fairly benign environment. That's not the case anymore, as well attested really publicly here the last couple of weeks. General Raymond, General Thompson, and other senior leaders have been talking about, we're in a contested environment now. And so we have to think very differently about the way that we develop our guardians to operate in that space. If you think about the, in, in an environment where it was benign and we were just operating our, our technologies and our satellites with, with impunity, if you will, and not in a, in a bad sense, but in, in the way that we didn't have to be concerned with what adversaries might do to our assets on orbit, that's where we are now. And so preparing guardians to think about how they operate in an environment where they have to make split-second decisions, or we may lose a high-value asset. 
And that's very different from a benign environment where they're just making sure it's staying where it's supposed to be on orbit. And, and so we have to think very deeply and develop about how we develop those guardians. And that's been a common theme throughout the last couple of days here is this idea that the assumptions that we've operated with are no longer applicable. And I think that that's particularly the case with space is um, what we've assumed to be the case is, is no longer what we need to. And, there, and you mentioned the competition. Um, so the, uh, when we talk about the alignment of our communities, uh, there, there's a space capstone publication that came out and uh, I guess last year. Um, and there, there are basically three cornerstones and electronic warfare, electromagnetic spectrum operations and what you do, they, they touch all those three. Um, preserving freedom of action, enabling joint lethality and effectiveness, and providing independent options. So it's it's easy for us to focus on the technology and weapons side of things, um, and that's obviously been the, the the topic of several of our keynote speakers. But we can't lose sight of um, the human capital aspect of that. So uh, when when you talk about cornerstones of space force moving forward. It, how does that fit all together with putting the right technology out there with matching that up with the human capital? Yeah, so I think uh, space warfighter mindset just in and of itself and how that uh, works together. So like my first education for the electromagnetic spectrum was back when I was a staff sergeant. And so some of the things that we're looking to do in the Space Force is to really educate across all those domains and um, how that integrates, not just within the Space Force, but uh, I mean, we're already operating and we have been operating in the Space Force in this spectrum for years and years and years, and we continue to do so and do so very well. So it is important that everybody understands um, how they operate in not just one aspect of it, but really, especially you mentioned the capstone document, but how all of that integrates and pulls it together so that we continue to advance our warfight and uh, understand that space domain and really advance that to those other areas, other services, um, so we can help, help in the world fight, I guess, for our pacing threats. And you mentioned the alignment with AOC. That's also what the way we think about the sister services, because the, the support that we bring to the war fight, the, not just the presentation of our, our, of our guardians, but the presentation of the assets that we use, that, that's all about, in this, in this particular area, electronic warfare, just one of those pillars that you, you mentioned in the space power document. This, we, we also talk about orbital warfare and some of the other areas in which we operate. That's what we bring to the joint fight. So we have to be connected to our sister services, to our coalition partners, to those in the broader, what General Raymond refers to as the space community. So it's, it's all of those entities working together to deliver the effects that we need in order to support our mission sets. Um, so earlier this year, one of the uh, AOC, uh, we had an AOC leadership series and we had Vice uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Hayton, and he was talking about EW and STRATCOM. Um, and he talked about how it was, we needed to fix it in, in, in STRATCOM because it was underfunded and under-resourced and we didn't have enough people to do the job that they were given. Um, for the Space Force, uh, it's, it's kind of a completely different challenge, but it's certainly not easier. We're not fixing EW and EMSO in space. We're actually doing it for the first time in, in a way of, of equipping it from the ground up. Uh, can you talk about uh, what are, are we, are we doing enough today um, to, to meet your goals, to, to make sure that the, 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 the people doing the job, the, guard, the next generation of guardians have the resources they need to do the job that they've been given to do? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great question. It's it's somewhat difficult to answer. So let me t let me tackle it from the human capital perspective. With with respect to the assets that we buy, that's really not inside our our area of, of expertise or application. 
So it's hard for me to, to tell you with respect to those assets. Plus there's levels of classification, that sort of thing. And I would not presume to second guess what General Hyten has to say at, at all. I mean, he, he probably has forgotten more in his pinky than I'll ever, I'll ever learn. But the, the real crux of it for us is what we, we call competencies. Our ability to ensure that we're developing our guardians at what we call a level of mastery, this is, this is one of the things that we're analyzing right now, working with our, our Air Education and Training Command partners on the Air Force side of the equation and what we call the Talent Science Advisory Group, but this is a, a collection of PhDs who are in the human resource, human-centered design, IO psychology, behavioral science spaces. They're helping us think very deliberately about what are the competencies that are required in order to, in this case, generate the effects that we need in EW. And so those competencies will be different depending on the positions that you hold across this, the Space Force. Why this matters is because we need to understand how well our guardians can currently operate that, in that environment, and then what are the gaps that we need to shore up to make sure that they're operating at a much higher level. And because of the size of the Space Force, I mean, at the end of fiscal 23, we're only going to be around 18,000 total guardians, our officer enlisted and civilian guardians. And so it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we're developing humans at great depth so they have the level of mastery necessary to operate in this very difficult, as General Raymond often says, space is hard. And it's the only warfighting domain in which we don't actually place the human. So they're, they're making decisions about something that's moving at 17,500 miles an hour, miles and miles and miles above the earth that they can't see. They see it on a, on a scope and, and however they visualize it, but they're not actually in it like a fighter pilot would be inside the, the craft, for example. So that diamond, dynam, the, the dynamics that it takes in order to be able to operate in that environment are very, very difficult. And, and that's why we're focusing on competencies to, to make sure that people have the right skill sets at the right level of expertise in order to operate. And, and that's kind of the thrust of your session this afternoon, and, and it's in, entitled, you know, how does Space Force, how Space Force is developing guardians to build high-performance teams, and it's a, the emphasis of high-performance. It's not just equipping people to do a job. It's, it's with a, a certain standard attached to it. Um, what are some of the main messages you want to drive home uh, for those in the audience and maybe for those who can't attend the session here uh, this week but uh, are listening to the podcast? So I think one of the things that I would like to leave with, uh, with the audience today is that we're a growth kind of organization. We have a growth mindset. We're always looking to be better in the future and to help, um, help our guardians really be the best that they can be based off of what their needs are, what our needs are as well. Um, so, and when you do that, you're not just stopping at with the guardian. So just for an example, with, for EW, you know, Delta three is already doing some, a lot of training exercises once a month and they're doing that with RPA pilots. So when we're making our guardians the best they can be and growing and learning and constantly evolving what our, uh, what our processes are and what our weapon systems are. They're not just helping us, but they're also helping advance our airmen, our soldiers, our sailors, Marines, international partners as well. So it's really, uh, I think, has such a multiplier effect that it'll be contagious pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, and I and thanks for, for saying it that way, Chief. We, we are, as you mentioned, very focused on a, on a growth and outward orientation in terms of our mindsets. And so we, we want our guardians to, to not just learn a couple of skills that they, they can apply, rather we want them to be masters of their craft. And, and that's a, maybe a different way of thinking. I just don't want you to have a baseline capability. Again, because it's no longer a benign environment. I need you to be adaptive and innovative and think creatively and 
at the front end of the business, being able to make those decisions at the speed of requirement, as opposed to, I must go up some sort of chain of command to ask for a decision to act. Not at all. What we're doing is developing our guardians. Just think about it, a young enlisted, maybe 18-year-old flying craft, we're, we're going to make sure they're equipped to make the decisions that are needed in the instant it's needed, as opposed to having to go up and down some sort of a chain. We, we aren't going to have the luxury of that time. And so we'll need to operate very, very quickly. And so it's incumbent again on us to develop those guardians to be able to operate in what we often refer to in the military as that, that vol the volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous environment. They need to have the ability to do that. One of the other uh, features of, of this week, uh, we had a group of young engineers from uh, uh, NAS Pax River uh, from Navair come up and they're all in their early to mid twenties, uh, you know, starting out their career. I had a few of them on the, on the podcast earlier and we're gonna release that episode later. But um, one of the questions I asked them was, you know, as a young engineer in a, in a very, uh, in, in the DOD, uh, what do you bring to the table in terms of the, the need to tap into your creativity? Um, you know, we, we need the people, we need them, we need smart people, we need dedicated people and creative. And I think that's that last piece that's particularly ap ap applicable to, the, to space is how do you be creative in a DOD structure, in a military service structure? How do you tap that creativity of the young generation um, and to accomplish some of your objectives. So uh, what, what, are, what are some of the specific things that you're doing to really harness some of that young uh, creative thinking that's outside the box uh, because space is moving so much faster than, um, you know, I think that we even realize today. I mean, we're, it's, it's, it's on an exponential scale. So how do you keep pace with that and how do you harness the creativity of the younger generation? That is a great question. And one of the ways that we're attempting to do that is to unshackle that creativity. Instead of trying to stovepipe people or, or put people into pockets, we want you to think much differently about how you can apply your skill sets inside this, this space environment. And so we talk about it as choice architecture. We, we want guardians to tell us what they really want to do so that we can align their passion and their purpose to the mission set, as opposed to, we're going to, and I don't mean this as a pejorative, but we're going to pigeonhole you. This is what you do, and that's the only thing that you do. Yeah, so I'd like to add that uh, from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, that in and of itself kind of breeds that environment and that culture that we're hoping that they find very attractive. We're operating with the momentum right now because it's a Space Force and it's new and exciting. And of course, a military organization is always focusing on the young ones, bringing in young um, mindsets and being able to bring in some of those different ways of thinking. But I think that diversity and inclusion uh, that we're really focusing on in the Space Force will also help when they're trying to make a decision on why, you know, how do I make a difference and what am I able to actually see at the end of the day when I go home and what can I be proud of? And they can be proud of a lot, especially what they're able to accomplish in the Space Force. Whether you're trying to change culture or establish a new culture, it, it, sometimes the obstacles seem a little bit uh, insurmountable, but, uh, you know, it sounds like you, you, you have a, at least a good handle on it and you're doing some great things uh, that are making uh, DOD to think differently about about uh, addressing some of those challenges? Well, we think in some respects for sure. And, and one of the things that we did, you, you mentioned culture, one of the things that we've been doing since we've been on this stand-up pathway is asking the voice of the guardian and going directly out to them. Sometimes we, we get in a habit in the Pentagon and in the, in the five-sided palace that we, we are, we're setting the strategy, we're gonna de develop the programs and then we'll lay that out and the service will follow suit. And 
because of the size of the Space Force, we, we were able to go out to the front end and talk to our young people about what's exciting to you? How, how do you see yourself executing these missions? What are the things that are important to, to you? And so that you're driving culture from within as opposed to from the top, right? And so it gives us an opportunity to really engage people where they are. And that, that's a key piece of this. Engaging guardians on a regular and routine basis is really important to making sure that we can unlock their potential because they know they have voice and that we value that. And then they're more apt to say, hey, I have some creativity that I want to apply to this mission set. And they're going to be welcomed to do that. Well, that, that is all the time we have for this morning. General Campbell and Chief Mitchell, thank you for taking time uh, to join me, and I'm looking forward to your session this afternoon. Um, that will conclude this episode of From the Crow's Nest here at AOC 2021. I want to thank our episode sponsor, Samtech. Uh, Samtech is the service leader in the connector industry. Thanks for listening. Fast Labs, powered by BAE Systems, is at the forefront of advanced technology and defense research, development, and production. They're pushing boundaries, breaking barriers, and innovating for a safer world. Check them out at www.baesystems.com/fastlabs.